You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back into another edition of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. I'm Chris Mack of 93.7 The Fan and The Fan Morning Show, getting you ready for an important stretch of games here for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They've got six games in 10 days. A pair of those games are the second half of back-to-backs, which the Penguins have been awful, absolutely awful in. Uh, and we'll get into that uh, real quick. Just want to set you up for today's episode. Chris Otto of Otto's Hockey Portal. Follow him on Twitter at PSU Otto. He's got great data if you're looking to bet on hockey, in particular with some very specific prop bets, team prop bets, first period bets, uh, totals, all that stuff. If you're into betting and you're into hockey, Chris is your guy, Chris Otto. So he will join me in just a little bit. Josh Roundtree of 93.7 The Fan and Odyssey as well will join me. He was at the Penguin Skate Thursday in Cranberry. It is Friday as I record this and most likely as you listen to it as they get ready to take on the Islanders tonight without a morning skate, which means in all likelihood uh, that there will not be the first return start of Tristan Jari against the Islanders tonight. Uh, We would expect, at least, it would be Casey DeSmith with Dustin Tokarski backing him up if news changes between now and then. You'll hear about it, I'm sure, uh, at 93.7thefan.com. You can go there. You can go to your Odyssey app, most importantly, to subscribe to and download the podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, be sure to leave a favorable review. We appreciate it. And like I said, subscribe so you get the latest episodes of Fifth Avenue Faceoff right there in your app as soon as they are ready. You listen to it on your way to the game, or maybe you're going out to meet some friends to watch the game. Listen to it then, maybe while you're sitting there cleaning up after dinner, getting ready to watch the game on TV when it's on the road as it is tonight. Uh, you listen to the latest episode of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. And as I mentioned, six games in 10 days. And right after that, it's the deadline. So all of this pieces together, really, when you look at the standings and where the Penguins are, 63 points, uh, just a point ahead of the Washington Capitals, but four games in hand on the Caps. And again, we don't know how long Alex Ovechkin will be back home in Russia uh, with his family attending to the details uh, after his father's passing. You've got the Florida Panthers, a point behind the Pittsburgh Penguins, but the Penguins have five games in hand on Florida. You've got the Islanders, two points back of the Pens, but going into Friday night's game, the Pens have four games in hand. This is a classic, as they call it. Mike Sullivan called it this Thursday in Cranberry, a classic four-point game. The Penguins win. 
they in regulation, they'll be four points up on the Islanders with four games in hand. That's a lot to make up over the course of less than 20 regular season games, closer to 15 regular season games, or excuse me, less than 30 regular season games, closer to 25 for the Islanders. That's a lot to make up. And so you would feel a lot more comfortable about the Penguins if they could take these four-point swings against the Islanders. The problem will be, as we know with the Pens, that schedule has a pair of back-to-backs on it. It's got, well, Saturday afternoon. Afternoon, evening, 5.30 p.m. start against the New Jersey Devils at PPG Paints Arena. But we'll be back here waiting uh, for the Pens as uh, the Pens will be traveling back from Long Island. And then next weekend, another back-to-back against another high-level Eastern Conference opponent. And that one will also be traveling home overnight or late at night for the Penguins. The Penguins will be in St. Louis on a Saturday afternoon. And then Sunday night, they'll be at home against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, the Blues are not the Stanley Cup champion Blues. They are a Blues team uh, that perhaps the Penguins could be like, going in and and stealing a piece of cake off the table while nobody's looking. Maybe you bring a piece home with you, Ryan O'Reilly from St. Louis. Uh, But in between that, you've got a game against the Oilers at home, a little run and gun hockey, perhaps Crosby against McDavid and another one against the Islanders. So again, in the next 10 days at the Islanders back home in less than 24 hours to play the devils two days later at home against the Islanders three days later, Edmonton, two days later at St. Louis and the following night at home against Tampa. Wow. Uh, For a team that is the oldest in the league and that has, again, been an abject disaster on the second half of back-to-backs and who, again, we're led to believe that Tristan Jari is closer to being back than not and that maybe he'll be available for the Devils game on Saturday night or available for the Lightning game next Sunday, the second half of those back-to-backs. But if he's not, Casey DeSmith is already getting run ragged, uh, has stood tall and on his head in some cases. Think about that uh, that Avalanche game in particular where he stole one for his teammates. Uh, think about some of the things he did against San Jose out in California. Had a very strong performance that night as well, one that helped his team steal a couple of points, I think, or at least kept them in parts of that game where they weren't playing their best. I don't know how much more you can wring out of Casey DeSmith. And you need Tristan Jari back in the lineup sooner rather than later if you want to do what is necessary with these games in hand. And this is going to be, if you're looking for a key takeaway from me as you look ahead to these six games in the next 10 days, It is this. Take this with you wherever you go. Like I said, whether you're hanging out with your better half or some friends on the couch watching the Islanders game and then the Devils on Saturday night, whether you're headed down to the game on Saturday night, whatever you're doing this weekend and over the course of the next 10 days as these half dozen games are being played, take this with you. Games in hand are great, but they mean absolutely nothing if you don't take points from them. Games in hand are great, unless you're not taking points from them. If you're taking points from them, then yes, you're growing your lead over the bubble teams, right? It would be great to win these two games against the Islanders in the next uh, six days or whatever it is, five days. You do that? Yes, by all means. You feel good about putting some distance between yourselves and the Islanders, maybe even some distance if you're the Penguins between yourselves and the Capitals in the second wild card spot. 
but you're also nine points behind the Rangers who are red hot, have won six in a row as we sit here on Friday afternoon. You're also 12 points behind the Devils. You're probably not catching them unless they go into a skid and you get red hot. Still a possibility, but not likely. I don't want to say you're already in mid-February locked into the first wild card spot, but it looks like your most likely landing spot. And if that's the case, your most likely first round opponent, the Carolina Hurricanes. If you'd like to affect change, though, in some way, if you'd like to ensure you're not going to fall into the second wild card spot and have to play Boston in the first round, which would be good morning, good afternoon, good night. We're out in five games, probably. Uh, if you'd like to somehow have a shot at scratching and fighting and clawing your way back into the third or maybe even second spot in the Metro and getting a better matchup, at least maybe you would think on paper it's a better matchup than playing Carolina to face the Rangers or Devils in the first round, then these games in hand are enormous. And again, the second half of these back-to-back games are enormous, two of which you've got in the next week. And the key to those games... And this will be the other big takeaway I'll leave you with before we get Josh Roundtree in here and then Chris Otto is play boring hockey. Like, I I hate to say that, right? Nobody wants boring hockey. It's the Pittsburgh Penguins. As Penguin fans, we've grown up with some of the most brilliant offensive talent in the history of the game playing right before our very eyes. We still have some of that in Crosby, Malkin, Latang. But you, you don't need to play up and down hockey. You don't need to play fire wagon hockey. You don't need to be irresponsible with the puck. In fact, the one thing you need to be if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins is more responsible than ever. Dumb these games down. Simplify them. Make it easier for whoever your goaltender is, whether it's DeSmith or Jari, to stand tall behind you, to not have to face 40, 45 shots on a given night. Play good, smart, responsible hockey. Again, I know that's boring, but it's the kind of hockey you're going to have to play if you want to win in the playoffs. And you need to start playing that kind of hockey now, particularly if you're the oldest team in the league and you want to have a chance of pulling some points, extracting some points in the standings from the second half of those back-to-back scenarios like next Sunday against Tampa and this Saturday against the Devils and making the most of these six games in 10 days and making the most of the four or five games you have in hand over some of those Eastern Conference bubble teams. Play good, smart, boring hockey and make sure you get points out of those games that you have in hand over the competition and then put your GM in a spot where he feels good about going out and adding to what you have in the room already. And maybe, just maybe, we're talking a very, singing a very different tune about these Pittsburgh Penguins two weeks from now as the trade deadline comes and goes. And maybe they've made some big moves and they've played well in this two-week stretch. And we're feeling like maybe this is a team that can go on a run. Or maybe we're still sitting here spinning our wheels. What exactly went on out in Cranberry on Thursday? We'll talk to Josh Roundtree after him, Chris Otto of Otto's Hockey Portal to tell us how to bet on some of these games. That's all on the way. Welcome back in. We appreciate you joining. Be sure to subscribe and download. This is the latest episode of Fifth Avenue Faceoff.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back in another edition of 5th Avenue Faceoff. I'm Chris Mack of the Fan Morning Show, 93.7 The Fan. Odyssey is where you go, A-U-D-A-C-Y. You subscribe to 5th Avenue Faceoff. And then those episodes, they just start showing up when they're ready to go like this one did. And you get to listen to them, in this case, in the hours leading up to what will be the first of six games in 10 days. You heard me talk about it a lot. We're going to continue to talk about it a lot because this stretch run is super important to the Pittsburgh Penguins who... Currently, they've got four games in hand on the New York Islanders who they play tonight out on Long Island. Uh, Only two points ahead in the standings. What does that mean? It means if you want those games in hand to mean anything, you better start winning them. And Josh Roundtree of 93.7 The Fan and Odyssey was at Penguins practice yesterday before they shipped out for Long Island. Josh, thanks for taking the time on a Friday. We appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm glad to glad to make my debut here on uh, on the podcast. And I'm waiting anxiously because I'm in my kitchen and I just know any second now the mailman's going to show up and the dog's going to lose his yes. mind. And it's going to be a great moment for your podcast. So, you know uh, what? <laughs> just just be ready, Chris. It's going to come here any second. It wouldn't be the first time a small <laughs> dog lost its mind while a mailman pulled up because it's happened to me. And the, the literally the front window is right above me. I'm down in the basement, down in the game room area, and the dog will lose her mind here as well when the mail comes. Yep. So yeah, it's gonna happen. <laughs> it, we'll live it together, Josh. We'll live it together. It's okay. Um, so you you were at practice yesterday. No Tristan Jari is the first takeaway. I know Mike Sullivan said it was all pre-planned and pre-scheduled, and that uh, they're just you know getting a checkup on Jari, and he'll be in New York with the team. Um, this is in this Tyler Kennedy said this to me earlier this morning on the fan morning show. He said, you got to plug in Jari as much as possible at this point. He knows that Sullivan probably won't do it. He'll, he'll play each guy on the, uh, each half of a back to back. But he said, Hey, if you get Jari back, plug him in right away and play him back to back games in some instances to get him ramped up and ready for the playoffs. Again, I don't think Mike Sullivan will do that, but what do you expect the goaltending alignment looks like this weekend uh, on Long Island Friday night and then Saturday afternoon evening back home against the Devils? Well, I, I guess the first, you know, first things first, Chris, is Tristan Jari going to actually be able to play? I mean, we've been right. hearing that for a little while now that he's close. I mean, remember, go back to the initial flare up, I guess, uh, of the injury and the Penguins said, and Sullivan said that it would be a couple of games. Then they had the All Star break, and then he'd be back after that. Well, that hasn't exactly, you know, played out the way that I think they had hoped. And Jari's been out for an extended time now. I mean, look, there's no way at all that he plays back to back games this weekend. I mean, that's not yeah. going to happen. I think if he can play one game this weekend, that would be probably a, a really good thing for the Penguins to get him back in there. My guess is 
um, that he plays maybe the second that they go with the Smith just to kind of work Jari back in, get him on the bench, get him do some pregame warmups, things like that. And then uh, maybe he's good to go uh, in Saturday's game against, uh, against the devils. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is a, a kind of an odd situation because look, I mean, there's, there's so many question marks about the guy. Uh, and I think he's had, when he's been healthy and been in there, he's been impressive, right? I mean, he's had some really strong games. He's had some really good runs as well. But let's be honest, nobody in this town is going to trust the guy until he proves that he can go win right. a playoff series or a couple playoff series. And now it's not just performance-based. It's health-based as well, the reason that people are questioning him. questioning him. He missed, what, six of the seven games last year, and he fought to get back, and you commend him for fighting to get back on the ice for Game 7 last year against the Rangers. But there's there's going to be that looming question mark over his head on who Tristan Jari is, if he's a legitimate number one goalie for this team. And I just think people, you know, especially just the casual fan, is not going to buy into Tristan Jari until he proves it. And right now, he's not available. Yeah, and that loops us back around to what the Penguins do with the trade deadline, which is the biggest question with the deadline now sitting just two weeks out on the horizon. And I don't think it's a high priority for Ron Hextall. It may not even be on his radar adding goaltending. Uh, but it, it, it's something I think a lot of people would prefer the Penguins consider because they'd like to see a more dependable backup. And it, it, it's just as much related to, to your point, the belief in Jari as it is uh, a lack of belief maybe in Casey DeSmith based on the way he's played this season. There's not really a guy that you look at, to your point, until Jari does it and shows that he can do it, proves it, that you feel fantastic about going into the playoffs. DeSmith, before he got hurt last year, you you feel like maybe he would have been enough to get them through the Rangers series, uh, but we'll never know. Uh, neither one of these guys right now is a guy, and look, maybe there's no one out there at the deadline to be had like this, who yeah. you say, all right, I, if I need him to steal a game or two in a series to get us through a round, that guy can do that. Yeah, I, I can't see them trading for a goalie at the deadline, Chris. That that would be surprising to me unless unless there's some sort of setback between now and the deadline with Jari or if DeSmith gets hurt or something like that. Then maybe that door opens. I mean, and, and I think in a a bigger scale side of things here, I mean, what do you want to give up for potentially a backup goalie? What are you willing to part with right now? Is it worth it to part with anything really uh, of significant value at all, given the state of this team? It's probably not a team that's going to go win a championship. I mean, I think that's pretty much a given uh, at this point. It would be surprising to me, even if they made a run, you know, to the conference finals. Mm -hmm. uh, and and it's going to be, I think, a, a challenge for them to win a playoff series this year. Um, and, and first things first, they have to get there, right? So I, I can't see that happening, but... Um, again, between now and then, depending on Jari's situation, I mean, maybe their hand is, is forced a little bit. Uh, I think though, that they're probably a little bit more, they're probably a little bit more comfortable right now with Casey DeSmith than they were say three, four weeks ago. I mean, I, I think he's coming off a, a really solid performance, uh, against San Jose. I thought he played really, really well in that game against Colorado. Uh, what, 10 days ago. I mean, I thought he, he really stole the game for them, a game that they were, I mean, the first 30, 40 minutes, they were absolutely dominated uh, yeah. by the defending champs. And, and I thought he kind of kept them in that thing. And then really the San Jose game the other night, I mean, I didn't think they played all that well. And the Smith made, what, 38 saves or something like that. And they ended up 
uh, they ended up finding a way to win. And that's kind of the one thing where if you talk about, you know, three of the last four games, yeah, they got blown out that one game in L.A., um, but again, that's, you know, back-to-back. They haven't been good in the second half of back-to-back games this year at all. But I do think that they have found a way to, you know, when they haven't maybe played at their best, to, to find a way to win. They did it in San Jose. They did it uh, against a good team, obviously, in Colorado. And, um, you know, I think that's maybe a positive sign for them. But as far as, you know, goaltending goes, I think they'll probably just ride with Jari and DeSmith and, and hope that Jari shakes off whatever ailment uh, has been plugging him here and and that they're you know they're gonna have a healthy goaltending situation heading into the postseason should they you know should they get there. Yeah and, and the other part of it too is would you want to waste resources, not waste, that's not the right word, but would you want to use resources, particularly cap resources, on trying to acquire a goaltender? Yeah, it would involve shipping uh DeSmith out most likely and and but that's only a 1.8 million dollar cap hit and are you going to be able to bring back a veteran around that same cost and the cap is already such an entanglement for Ron Hextall it's this behemoth he's trying to wrestle with as he talks about making moves with teams and he says he doesn't want to use that first round draft pick uh to foist cap space off on someone else but i have to believe that he's got to he's He's just negotiating through the media there, in my opinion, when he said a couple weeks ago, as he did, he doesn't want to deal the first round pick. It's got to be on the table if he's really going to allow himself to make the kind of move that's necessary for this team to go from being, okay, we'll just be happy to actually win a round of the playoffs this year, as opposed to a team that may actually be able to win a round or two and create some momentum in the playoffs. That's going to require the kind of move that's you're you're trading out established players. You're trading out a first round draft pick. You're moving a, a lot of different resources onto the table. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, I think the question for Ron Hextall is: Is he here for a good time or a long time? You know, and I think we've had a couple of GMs here in Pittsburgh before that were here for a good time. Uh, and, and you know, I thought Jim Rutherford was uh, very aggressive uh, and bordered, maybe not even bordered, but got careless at times with trading assets and trading draft picks, and you know. Let's be honest, the future of the Pittsburgh Penguins looks very, very shaky right now because of that, because they just have not been able to build organizational depth, in, especially in key positions, um, like they should have and like they could have if they had some of those picks. Now, look, I, I don't. that's not to say that they were necessarily wrong in being aggressive. You had Crosby, Malkin, Latang. I mean, you had Gensel. I mean, you had a core group that was, you thought, talented enough to win you multiple playoff rounds, to win you potentially Stanley Cups that did win two Stanley Cups, and they got aggressive during that. So it wasn't the wrong mindset to have. But now if you're Ron Hextall, it's a little bit of damage control, right? You're trying to make sure that you don't part with too many assets, too many high draft picks right now, because you do start to think, you know, post-Crosby, post-Malkin, and even towards the end of their careers, how do you kind of bridge that gap so that you don't go into the doldrums and you have four, five, six years where there's nobody in the arena the team's finishing at the bottom of the standings. I mean, that's something that the organization really, I think, cares about and has to think about. And they've been super aggressive towards winning. And it's earned them a lot of you know goodwill, good faith in this town. There's no question about it. But let's be honest. This team, even with Crosby and Malkin, the attendance has gone down. There's been less and less, I think, interest overall in the team than there was, say, when they were coming off their Stanley Cup victories the last couple of years. And I think if you're the Penguins, you need to make sure that you don't dive too far deep because you could be looking at a very, very bad situation here where there's a lot of interest lost 
in this team and a lot of money lost because of the interest loss. So I think he has to, from a, a team standpoint, he's looking at it one way. From a business standpoint, he has to keep that in mind as well when he talks about making trades and trying to build this team up so that they can be competitive in the future. You know, that's the that's the other part of this that's very interesting that I think, I'll be honest, I lose sight of sometimes, Josh. And I, because when you are when you consider yourself, and I would think most people that are downloading a hockey podcast are hardcore hockey fans, right? And so you are, like I was, going to go to student rush games, even if Rico Fata is the main attraction, right? Like, 15 bucks right on the glass, man. Yeah, baby. It was the best (laughs) back in the day. But for people who are, to your point, you you brought up common fans, average fans, people who are fans of sports in general. And I don't want to call them front runners, but they want their teams to be good if they're going to spend money on them. Disposable income is what it is, and it's not growing. It's shrinking. So uh, if if people are going to spend their money on the team, they want to know that the product is going to be good. They're not going down to the arena to watch – no disrespect, Teddy Bluger and Drew O'Connor, they're going down there to watch Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel and Evgeny Malkin. And so with all that being said, yeah, you want to be all in on winning now. I get that. And I certainly am. And I think that should be the angle for Hextall. But if the directive from Fenway Sports Group, there's the mail, by the way. It, I, <laughs> you there was no it. doubt in my mind that it was going to come. So... <laughs> We're going to ride it out. We're going to ride it out. Yeah, it'll go It'll go for a good 20, 30 seconds here. Yeah. And maybe I just move. Maybe I just no, get out of the good. way. Maybe we just go for a walk to my kitchen here, get away from the dog. You're good. He's not going to stop. He's, I mean, there's no stopping him. He wants to kill the guy. And <laughs> the guy's never done anything but bring him treats and toys. It's all that's ever happened. All right, I think he's done. Look, see, it's done already. Yeah. <laughs> so, but <laughs> back to the <laughs> you got a nice tour of my kitchen, though, at least. How about yeah, it's, that? It's very nice. I like what you've done with it. Thank um, you. so, but if Fenway Sports Group's directive is hey, we can't be we're a franchise that can't be losing money in five years when Sidney Crosby decides to walk away and retire, if it's in five years, if if Genny Malkin is done, if Chris Letang, if they're, if all three guys decide to go out together at the same time, we need to have somebody here who's going to draw the average everyday sports fan in. And that means you can't trade all the first round picks away. Then I get where the pressure comes in on Hextall at yeah. that point. Um, but I think that's a hard adjustment for Penguin fans to make from wait, we're all in all the time. You re-signed Malkin and Latang. The band is back together. I, I thought we were going for it, Hexy. What's what's happening here? And I think it's 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 very hard to reconcile those two things. We brought 71 and 58 back, but we also have to think about the future. Well, my question is, did they bring 71 and 58 back to actually make a run at it? Or did they bring them back more because they wanted to keep the band together? Yes. I mean, was that the best play for the organization was bringing those two guys back and not, you know, Evgeny Malkin's had a, a strong year. I mean, he's, there, there's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. I don't know that if they would have got rid of Evgeny Malkin, that they would have brought in a piece or pieces that would have had the production that Evgeny Malkin has had this year. I, I, I don't know that, but um, that question I think is a legitimate one, Chris, you know, was that the best move for the organization in a long-term sense? Was it maybe good for the 2022-23 version of the Penguins? Probably. Is it going to be good for the 2025 version of the Penguins? I, I don't know if that's the question. And, and you're right. I mean, there is, I think, and, and 
you're right. We get so swept up with the on the ice, you know, concerns and logistics of this team that we forget that there's a business side of this as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the Penguins are at an, a very interesting point again, where they have to start to look at the fact that their business could be heading into a downturn. And, you know, I think that's why we saw a sale of the team. I, I think that's that played a role in that, that maybe there's some writing on the wall there. Um, but this should be an organization, given the financial backing that they have, that is willing to spend towards the cap. So with things like free agency, maybe you can bridge that gap a little bit, but they're certainly going to be put in a, a, a tough spot where they don't have a ton of organizational depth that's able to come up. And I, I think any good NHL team probably needs that to an extent to be able to compete. And, and I think that's what Ron Hextall is probably weighing here in the next two weeks of, hey, how, how many assets do I want to part with? How many draft picks do I want to part with? How is this going to have ramifications on two years from now, three years from now, four years from now? I think that that's what Jim Rutherford never thought of, to be honest, and, and maybe rightfully so. But it's what Ron Hextall has to think of now. Yeah, and it's the biggest adjustment for us as, as people who watch the team, as fans, is – you know, we're two years into the Hextall era now, and it's still trying to adjust to, oh, wait, this guy isn't going to tell us exactly what he's thinking all the time, and he's not going to be all in on every big name that he can. Because what, what belies the fact that the Penguins, that, that Ron Hextall is more conservative, is the fact that he did go out and get Ricard Raquel last year. He did go out right. and get Jeff Carter the year before that. So he's got it in there, which is what gives people hope that, hey, maybe there is a big move to be made. Uh, you know, maybe he will go out and get someone. Maybe he'll make a splash. Um, maybe Timo Meyer somehow ends up a penguin on March 3rd. I don't think it's likely, but I think when you see the fact that Hextall has tried his damnedest to balance both and still walked away from the trade deadline with a shiny new toy each year, people are going to be very disappointed if he actually does balance things this year, the future and the current especially with a team that so quite clearly needs some additions in order to push them past a Boston or a Carolina into the second round. So we'll see where it goes. Like I've been saying uh, all day, six games in 10 days is a lot. A pair of back-to-backs is a lot for a team of this age, the oldest team in the league, and a team that's just abjectly horrid on the second night of back-to-back situations so we'll see if they can make the most of it and at least get points against the islanders and put some distance between themselves and those teams that are on the the playoff bubble right now josh uh go get the dog a treat i appreciate you taking the time uh enjoy the rest of your weekend and thanks for uh thanks for giving me a few minutes absolutely appreciate it apologies for the dog uh but uh, i'm not gonna punish him because I, I just he's a good boy yeah, who's a good is. boy yeah he is. he's right. gonna go get some bets right now <laughs> thanks Chris. Right, thanks josh great stuff from josh roundtree as we get ready to consume what is a big stretch of games here for the penguins starting with tonight out on long island you like to bet on games you like to bet on hockey maybe you've never bet on hockey before because you're not quite sure what do i do what's the best way to go about this we've got data for you reams and reams of data and someone to make sense of it all. Chris Otto of Otto's Hockey Portal, at PSU Otto on Twitter. He joins me next to tell you exactly what to look for in not just these Penguin games, but in games around the league, how to bet them, how to have some fun, how to make some money, and, well, we will talk what to look for with these Penguins specifically. That's next on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. 
it's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back into 5th Avenue Faceoff. I am Chris Mack, 93.7 The Fan, The Fan Morning Show. You can download, you can subscribe, you can rate, you can review all those things you want to do right there inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. That's where you get the latest episodes of 5th Avenue Faceoff as we race towards the trade deadline and towards the climax of the season, uh, which really picks up with these six games and 10 days that we've talked about to get things started here today on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Lots of Metro games on the way, lots of data to process. That's why we have guys who are way smarter than me, guys and gals who are way smarter than me on the show all the time. And that includes Chris Otto. Uh, You can check him out, Otto's Hockey Portal. He's got tons of data. And this is the kind of data we use to make a little bit of money. Chris, how you doing? Thanks for taking some time. Doing, doing great, Chris. Thank you for the opportunity. And uh, good to come on the, the podcast this morning or this yeah, afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for doing it. Um, at PSU Auto on Twitter is where you can find Chris. And when we talk about betting on hockey, some people just presume that it's one of the most difficult things in the world. Say like hockey. I, I'm, not, I'm not making hockey bets. I'll stick with football, maybe the occasional hoops game. Uh, but betting hockey, if you have the right data, is eh, it could be a moneymaker. You know this firsthand. You've got all this period data that you post a couple times a week, a few times a week, uh, that tells people, hey, first period totals, uh, second period totals by period, then also, you know, first 10 minutes, uh, it, it, all this stuff that, I mean, the spreadsheet, I'm looking at it right now. It's lighting up my face like a Christmas tree. Um, what what got you into gathering this data in the first place, Chris? Yeah, so this all started back probably about five years ago. There was a trend, I think it was in 2018, where there were about six teams in the league that were going over in the first period at a really high rate. I think they were all six teams. Penguins were included in that. Uh, they were going over at about 70 75%. And when those two teams or when those six teams played each other, it was plus nine. It was over 90 percent. So there was a stretch. I think it was from about Christmas until the end of March that year where I just tailed these. Um, I was watching it on Beeson, um, which uh, is a show out in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about this and I just started tailing it and it was very profitable that year. So then then the following year, I decided nobody else was really tracking this. It was hard to get the information. Uh, So I just started doing it on my own. Um, That first year in 2019 uh, was we didn't have legalized betting here in PA yet. So it was really hard uh, to to figure it out. But I just continued to track it and was doing some stuff offshore. Uh, And then when the rivers opened and and the, you know, the sportsbook became legal, it got much easier to do. So yeah, it's kind of been a, something that I've been doing for the last five years. Um, really last year was the first year that I really, it really took off. Um, I got hot over a stretch from like January till March last year and ended up um, up quite a bit of units for, for the year. What's the, the, the bet that I guess you find consistently find the most value in? Like I see that you track, you know, whether a team scores in each, you've got period totals, you've got first 10 minutes, you've got the over one and a half in a period for, you know, multiple goals for a team. What's the, where are you finding the most value, I guess, consistently throughout the course of this? And then most recently, not just this season, but maybe confined to the last 
two to four weeks. Yeah. So I'll start with current right now. It seems we're on an extreme trend of overs in the second period. Um, more so than I can ever remember in, in previous years. If you look at the data that's out on my site, um, first periods are, are kind of hit or miss and third periods are hit or miss. But this second period, the entire league right now is going over at a dramatic clip in the second period. Over their last 10 games, uh, the entire league is going over 72%, 72.5% in the second period. So that seems to be where the data is pointing us to right now. And I don't know if it has to do, I mean, I'm sure it does with the long change in the second period. It's much harder for teams to get the matchups they want on the ice. So mm -hmm. it gives you some, some different looks uh, on offense, but that seems to be the current trend where we're at. Historically, it, the first period unders have really been a lot of, nobody wants to bet unders. Everybody wants to bet overs. So sure. if you can find a team like Minnesota right now is on a 16 and two run to the first period under. Wow. Nobody wants to bet that. It is painful to sit and watch a first period under. In fact, most of the time, I don't even watch. Yeah. I make the bet, and then I check back in a half hour and see how it's doing. Uh, because, it, yeah, they're painful to watch. But if you can find trends like that where you go the other way, because public wants to bet the over, uh, if you can come in on the under, you can find some extreme value. How much how much attention do you pay, and how much do you do you plug it into your formulas, I guess, or how much do you track it? what teams are doing defensively period by period to the first 10 minutes to the last 10 minutes, you know, I think in particular, and as penguin fans, we've seen the pens it, it, for it, maybe it's anecdotal. Maybe you can back it up with data, but it feels like the ends and beginnings of periods have been particularly vulnerable for them defensively. Is that something that you can see in data? And if so, is, is it something that you are actually seeing evidence of? Yeah, you could you could pick it up if you were tracking like a first ten bet. Mm -hmm. um, I look at the first period, first ten. So if a team was consistently not scoring in the first ten, but then their periods were going over, that would be a, a trend that you could pick up. That maybe they're not as good late in the period. Um, the Penguins have been kind of a weird team this year. They they don't really show up on any of my reports as bet on. So that tells me they're kind of in the middle. Of right. everything, though I do see some. You know, I was looking at the next six games. You had talked about six and ten. Mm -hmm. um, there are going to be some opportunities for them over these next six uh, for second periods. Um, I see it tonight. Um, I think tonight's probably a good look in the second period if you can get it over. Um, definitely against New Jersey, that's going to be a one hundred percent play tomorrow in the second period. New Jersey's on a nine and one run. They're eighty one percent to the second period over one and a half tomorrow. So I'll have that. Um, probably parlayed in some fashion tomorrow. And then obviously Edmonton next Thursday is going to be a track meet uh, from the start. I have yeah. a feeling. So. Chris Otto, you can follow him on Twitter at PSU Otto and go to patreon.com slash autos hockey portal uh, to get all of the data that he has there. You can subscribe to all of it and get an idea of where your bets should be going on one of the most difficult sports to bet on really, unless you're, sitting around tracking all the data like Chris is doing. And that's why you go to his site and get all that data. Um, when we, again, whittle it down to penguins specifically, uh, you you make a note here. And, and this is what I think is interesting. It, it is It starts anecdotally. We see it with our eyes, but then your data is telling me that it backs up, that it tracks with what we see with our eyes. And that is the idea that the penguins are still playing wide open hockey far too much. 
Um, when we see that, yet we know that if this team's going to succeed come playoff time, they're going to have to drill down and play Mike Sullivan-style boring hockey, which is the way he wants them to play. You talk about the Minnesota Wild, the way they've played in first periods the last couple of weeks. You know, teams that are going to play tight, close to the vest. And again, I'll use the word boring because I'm okay with it. I'm a hockey fan and I'm okay to call it boring. Uh, sometimes boring hockey. Um, is the data backing up uh, the anecdotal evidence that this team just refuses to play the way they should, even in situations that call for it even more, like the second half of back-to-backs? Yeah, I would say that's right. I mean, there will be a point in time throughout the season, it happens every year when we get closer to playoff time that the overs stop. You know, Mm -hmm. there will be a time here where we probably have to ratchet back on the second period overs because teams are going to start to play a little bit smarter and a little bit more defensive as we get towards the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, there's a point that can the Penguins do that? You know, are they going to be able have the ability to play lockdown? Um defensive type hockey do they have the goaltenders that are going to be able to stop those shots whenever uh, they need them to Uh, because you know if you're not seeing shots on a regular basis sometimes it makes it harder to to make the big save so yeah time will tell for sure without asking for proprietary information obviously um how are you how are you calculating goaltending and how much work goes into calculating because in a lot of instances we're not finding out who's going to be between the pipes until you know 6 7 hours before game time in some cases yeah it definitely plays a part um i'll look at uh, the you know goals against averages to get a determination you know i haven't made any plays on the game tonight um you know, I kind of lean with the Penguins, but again, no goalies confirmed. Is Sorokin going to play? Because it's a very different handicap with uh, Sorokin in when he, when he's not in. So, yeah, n- nothing tonight yet. But, yeah, it definitely comes into play. And there are certain goalies that are play on, and there are certain goalies that are, you know, I won't touch. So if, if I can get that confirmation ahead of time, I will uh, make a play early, but otherwise I'll probably wait. The second periods have kind of been no matter who's playing. Um, you know, it doesn't seem to matter as much on those okay. with the first period stuff for sure. When you look at the Penguins goaltending situation specifically, um, this is something I've talked about at length with, with lots of people. And it's, it's crazy to me that they seemingly play more responsible hockey in front of the better goaltender. Uh, it's what they do. They play m- more responsible hockey in front of Tristan Jari than they do in front of Casey DeSmith. And you can see it sometimes lead to certain results. Casey DeSmith has not been George Vezina or Patrick Waugh by any means, by any stretch of the imagination. But there have been nights where he hasn't gotten a lot of help, where, to be honest, he's pulled their fat out of the fryer in some cases. I think of the game coming back from the break against the Avalanche in particular. Uh, and then there are games where they hang him out to dry or and, and he doesn't help himself either. L.A. Um, so how um, what's what's your read? whether it's data-based, whether it's anecdotally, uh, what's your read on the Penguins goaltending situation? Because it's one of those things where I find a lot of people go back and forth on, okay, what's the most important acquisition for this team at the deadline? Yeah. I mean, I'm not wild about any of them. Um, It doesn't make sense that you would play better, more defensive style hockey in front of your better goalie. That should be the opposite. You should play Mm -hmm. a more lockdown style when you have your backup in. That's what, most teams do when they start a backup or they have a goalie making their debut, they're probably going to play a more lockdown style. Um, 
yeah, it would be nice to make a move. The, the question is, what's out there? You know, is there anything out there that's better than what we have currently? Um, I don't know the answer to that because I'm not really up on the trade stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, all I know is it's not ideal right now based on the way this team's built uh, to be leaking goals anywhere. They need to make every save possible. And I don't know that that's happening all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not happening in the second period of games, as you pointed out. <laughs> right. So uh, that's something we're going to keep an eye on. Something if you if you love hockey uh, and you like betting, then this is the perfect marriage of the two. Again, patreon.com slash autos hockey portal is where you go for Chris's stuff at PSU auto on Twitter is where he posts uh, links to a lot of this data. You can go get it, inspect it for yourself, and uh, perhaps place some wagers on it as well, where it's legal, where lucky enough for us in Pennsylvania, it is. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time today, man. It was great to to finally catch up face-to-face and to talk to you, and we'll check back in maybe before the, the regular season starts to wind down to see how things will get adjusted for the playoffs. But again, really appreciate the time today. Yep. Thank you. And uh, appreciate the uh, time as well. Absolutely. Great data. Great insight from Chris Otto of Otto's Hockey Portal at PSU Otto on Twitter. Really appreciate him taking the time today. Thanks to Josh Roundtree as well for joining me. Uh, we will we will keep you up to date throughout this stretch of huge games. Again, as I told you at the top of the show, this is a step-by-step process. But these three things, first of all, Play some good old-fashioned boring hockey. Knock that out. Then you'll be able to win some games that maybe you wouldn't ordinarily win during this six games and 10-day stretch, i.e. the back-to-backs, which the Penguins haven't been good at. Win some of these back-to-backs. Win the games you're supposed to win, the games in hand that you have over teams like the Islanders. Grow some distance between you and those bubble teams in the Eastern Conference playoff standings. And that will beget Ron Hextall maybe feeling a little bit more comfortable about adding to this team in a meaningful way at the trade deadline, which is now just two weeks away. We'll be back. We'll have a special weekend edition of Fifth Avenue Faceoff after these two games is back-to-back against the Islanders and Devils and get you ready for the second of the Islander games. This one will be at home uh, early next week. And then after that, we get you ready for Edmonton and we just keep on rolling, chugging along. Again, if you're not subscribed already, make sure to do so inside your Odyssey app or where you wherever you get your podcasts leave a review we appreciate that and be sure to catch the next episode of fifth avenue face off